<laughs> I just saw your um your stories where you were like low-key sassing me and listen you I actually have a wild card to throw at you about our draft race that you have not stopped to consider okay so I have to ask you what is the purpose of draft race so I can beat you no <laughs> but like our end goal I don't even know finish a draft yeah 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 yeah. it's like an logical answer it wasn't a trick question oh okay (laughs) so the end goal is to finish a draft and I have just realized something whilst you may be ahead by whatever I don't know 10,000 words or something like that (laughs) um I don't know if you stop to think that I am, I tend to be an underwriter for my first draft, which means whilst I may be, I just, I did manage to get a thousand words in this morning. So I'm at 49,000. Whilst I might only be at 49,000 and you might be at 55,000. That's epic. (laughs) Um, I think you're more of an overrider, aren't you? So you're going to have a longer first draft than me. Yeah. Well, I, okay. So here's the, here's my, where I'm kind of getting nervous is that I've, I'm push, I'm already at a point that I wasn't expecting to be at yet. So I have like, but I, I still have like another 20,000 to go. Yeah. But you don't, I think as in you're worried, you won't have enough of a word count. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I, I know I need to go back and like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's the thing. Then maybe you do write like me because I tend to like. I think my first draft for Soul Swapped was like sixty thousand words, so that's why I'm saying like I could win. I could finish before you, <laughs> but you might be an underwriter as well. In which case, because I tend to like, I added like twenty thousand plus words in revisions, so I yeah. build on what I have. I'm just saying it's a wild card, oh. and there's a chance that I might have a finished draft in like another twelve thousand words or something. So oh, don't shit. get comfortable with oh, your word count because you haven't thought about the wild card. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> I feel like that's cheating. Less of a wild card, more of a <laughs> more of a oh I can't I can't beat her any other way. So I'm gonna just say this. This is my method, you. Listen, you. This is just how I write. It's not a it's not a ploy to try and beat you. It's just I think that I have to get the bones down first. If I try to think about it too hard, I can't draft this fast. And that's something that, like, you know, we're drafting fast, but like I'm gonna need a lot. I don't know about you, but I'm gonna need to work on it. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'll just underwrite the shit out of this. So you know, I'll, be done. <laughs> I'll be done tomorrow. You no. could be done tomorrow, but that's I'm, what on a like less sassy note. Don't worry if you feel like you're at a point where like it's too, you're too far for what your word count is. I think don't pay attention to word count for this draft. You've got 50,000 plus words. That is a book in my opinion. Like anything over 40,000, I'm like, it's a book. And Courtney said that. Yeah. Courtney said that the other week, like about first drafts being like 40,000 or something for her. Yeah. yeah. Then you build okay. on it then. No. Okay, good. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. I keep, I'm going to race, but I'm going to race with intention to just do it right. Yes. But exactly. I'm still going to beat you. So there's well, you better bring it is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Cause if you got, you, you might very well be finished with this first draft like even next week oh shit I don't know about next week I feel okay. like I'm at about 75 percent yeah they're the same I'm, I'm, I'm at 75 percent as well but yeah grand scheme of things it'll be a little less words than you so this well, might bring it but I'm still bringing it because I still want to I'm still like the fact that we're getting these words out is so fun and so unexpected I didn't know yeah. that you were gonna be this shit talky and it it has motivated me to no end because it's so fun like I'm having so much fun being like what's that bitch got today and usually I'm like damn you 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 did like three thousand words never mind (laughs) that's all I got done in the end though I took the rest of the afternoon off because I was like okay 
it's like you said, I don't want to overdo it now just because we're on a good thing. I was like in the afternoon, I was like, okay, okay. And then I caught myself feeling anxious and overwhelmed. And I was like, girl, you do not need to do another 3000. You did your 3000 in the morning. So I'm also like resetting myself and not, but I am having fun with it. And that's the thing. I didn't expect it either because I was riding so slow before and it was like so agonizing and it's just so encouraging, isn't it? And yeah, yeah. So let's just oh, so talk fun. our ways to book two. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. No, it really, it's just been fun. And I haven't had this much fun writing in a while, you know, and I'm just, it, I think it's because I'm not so worried on getting it right. Cause I know I'll get it in the yeah. next round. I'm just, I'm just like focusing on like, okay, get the story out get the, get the plots out. Like let's get all these fun situations out mm-hmm. and then I'll go back and I'll tweak and, and add. Totally. <laughs> but like right now I just want to have fun. And, and I think we talked about this once, I don't remember when, but like part of the magic of that first book that we wrote was just like, Maybe we, maybe we talked about this with Alexa because I feel like yeah. she she probably said this, but like you know that first book was so fun because you were just going. You didn't you didn't really have you weren't thinking okay I'm gonna do this and I have to do this so then I'm gonna get an agent and I'm gonna do this. You know you were just writing and it was just fun. And I feel like this one is just getting to have fun again and like shit talk and like be motivated and do whatever and it's just been fun. Honestly, nothing will delight me more than if you win. Like that's the, that's how I was. I just realized like as much as we're competing, like I'm just so stoked that it's had this effect for both of us because it, I think that like, otherwise I was getting too fixated on like little bits and like, you know, you, when you're not pushing yourself to go at this rate or just to, like you said, tell the story, I would get caught up on like, this sentence doesn't sound right. And like, you know, sometimes it's like an hour later, you're still playing with that one paragraph and you're like, well, damn, now I've got to make lunch, you know? (laughs) Yes. And then you make lunch, you walk the dog, you come back, you're like, shit, it's almost time for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) And before you know it, the day's gone. And so, yeah, it's just really helping me push through that. So thank you for racing me. And I hope we're encouraging our listeners too. I think so. Cause I've heard, a, you know, like a, a few different friends and listeners that have been like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm racing with, alongside you guys, or, you know, it's motivating me keep, to keep going. And I know Lissa, um, she was, she said she's shadow boxing with us, you know, cause okay. she's working on her book too. So it's just been fun to, you know, have our little community join in and also, you know, like shit talk with <laughs> and you know just be like all right you know or oh damn and so it's been really fun I agree so let's just keep cheering each other on so we get these drafts out and like weirdly enough when I'm reading back over little bits I'm like it's not as trashy as I thought like it's actually you know and you even said the other day you made yourself cry the other day like and and I had that moment too and I was like I think between our speed drafting and like Nova's advice to just go for the jugular and just like you know, like what we talked about on our live the other day, our Instagram live, it's like, really, it was like, um, one of those synchro destiny moments again of like, it's kind of something I've been like processing to just like find, and we just talked about it with Lakin, like trying to find that peace in the moment Mm. and not, yeah. Cause that balance, it's so important. You know, there's no, it's like enjoying the little moments. It's not pushing to write three books in one year all those little things, you know, and just like you said, you had that book club with, you know, your sisters and whatever. And it was just like, this is it. Like, this is what I've come here for. And not putting that pressure to constantly overachieve. And yeah, like it was really cool how just had her on and she was just sharing her journey. And like, I can resonate with so much. And for me, I've been able to regulate all of that, like, mess in my head with like really regular meditation and Mm. Chinese medicine and stuff and but like damn it's been a journey and like and I am a I think the meditation for me has been life-changing because it's made me able to catch that a younger version of me would keep going till I burnt out over and over and over again but it's like 
it doesn't even bring you enjoyment anymore when you do it like that. And it's like, you, you go, you grind so hard and you get to the little moments of success and they feel empty when you're doing it that way. Whereas now I'm just kind of like, I mean, it's still a work in progress. I still have to catch myself a lot because I definitely have that like super overproductive, anxious mindset. And, but it's like, even my acupuncturist said to me the other day, she's like, you've turned your anxiety. She's like, and you've turned it into passion a lot. And I was just like, she like made me cry I was just like that's like a beautiful way to put it because yeah it can feel like a handicap sometimes but it can also when it's reined in Mm. and just like being now to where it's like I'm appreciating the little moments around things like the quiet cup of coffee on my balcony you know the walking my dog through the but yeah constantly focusing back on like savor these little moments because the big moments come and go you know and it's like building a lifestyle around our writing, you know? I really loved that chat we had on our live. To anyone who missed our live, go listen. It was quite wonderful. <laughs> it was, it was so good. It was so good. No, I, I just, I think that's it. It's just learning to slow down a little bit and enjoy those yeah. little yeah. things. It's like, just like they always say, stop and smell the roses and, and actually do it. And yeah. <laughs> And like I did it yesterday. I stopped and I smelled a little rose and I was like, dang these things they do smell good (laughs) but you know it's like the stupid little things that you're just like it makes you happy you know it's not like gonna carry you through the day like wow that rose man I'm still thinking about that rose but it for that little moment I was like in that moment I was looking at it and I was just sniffing away and I was like man life is good because I have I'm able to stop for a minute and you know in the grand scheme of things, just like the world and all the, like the madness that happens, being able to find the little things that do ground you and remind you you're okay. Yeah. I think it's just so valuable. And that's so powerful, my friend. And honestly, like, it's funny, you grow up hearing that don't forget to stop and smell the roses. And it becomes an almost like eye rolly sentiment. But like, I'm the same. I, if I see them over COVID, I was a bit funny about it because I live in the city. So I'm like, somebody else might've stuck their nose in that rose. I was hypo. (laughs) But like, as a general- With the roses first with sanitizer. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But as a general, yes, I I think um, it's such a mindful grounding thing and such a like, I'm here, I'm alive. The rose has a smell and I want to smell it. And like, it's- maybe just that one thing here, it won't change your life. But I find that all those little micro moments, like just like appreciating the warmth of the cup of coffee in my hand, like that kind of mindful Hige, is it Hige, the Swedish living thing of just like savoring the smell. How would I know what that, how would I know some oh, a Swedish living like thing? Like a movement, like the mild oh. mindfulness movement, like. Oh. <laughs> I don't know maybe it's not as common as I thought no I I feel it right <laughs> amazing but I have to say I have a yesterday morning I had a tarot card reading with my friend uh Lauren and it was so good and one of the things that we were like she kind of pulled was this balance card and and a lot of it was like even like physically balancing like your physical health because Mm -hmm. and upping your physical health because you're writing and you know things are going places and so it's like you know you want to match that and so she was saying to like start you know maybe meditate and and like really focus in on the body and breathing and I'm like I I know that's not the same concept as what you're no it is it is and you you know know, i'm ready for you i have all the meditations ready for you it is i saw your eyes light up i saw your eyes light up right there and then also yoga and like yes i do honestly yoga and meditation is like what is two of the most powerful things that saved me with my anxiety and stuff because yeah like my route maybe wasn't the same as other people's and like i kind of found my healing through a lot of chinese med a lot of meditation and early on when I lived with like excruciating body pain through my whole body yoga was like the only thing that like would iron it out kind of and give me like and 
it's another really great. See, yoga is perfect for you if you're struggling with meditation to start with, because meditation is, it's really hard to train your brain to do it. Whereas yeah. with yoga, it's an immediate grounding. You're like, you're doing something. So you have to focus. I'm stretching my arm out. So you're immediately yeah. grounding and like moving that energy through your body. So it's such a, I honestly don't know as well how people like get older without yoga. I've been saying this to my husband all the time. Like the weeks when I slack off and I'm like only do yoga once or twice, I'm like, feel like an old woman by comparison to the weeks when I'm doing my yoga every night or every wow. other night. It's that different to me. And, and I'm like, I'm not surprised people put their backs out and all that stuff as they get older. Cause you just like, you crick your neck the wrong way and you're gone. Like <laughs> yeah, you're done. You are done. Yeah. yeah. So yes, I'll send you a video. I've got a good yoga. Okay. I'm going to start. I'm going to start because Lauren, the universe spoke. Yes. It's so weird that we're talking about this because it's, and it's weird that Lakin was saying that like the synchro destiny of you're talking about like what you needed to talk about and whatever, because yeah, like it's definitely been the whole yin yang thing. It's been on my mind a lot, the finding the balance because mm. the thing is like the grounding and the downtime and the peace and whatever is so crucial for me. But I realize as well, I thrive and I live for the fire of like chasing this big yeah. crazy dream. And like, and, and even though I can get very anxious on the podcast or like doing some of the writing things, I feel alive doing it as well. It feeds whatever it takes. It feeds more. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And I think that that is the yin yang. It's the like having that, like giving yourself permission to go for the fire and chase it but understanding that you need to balance it out with like the, <laughs> I'm like making the yin yang symbol for you. There's the Croatian in me coming out. I'm such a handsy talker. <laughs> Make the yin yang for you. The balancing of like having that quiet time. And it's hard because once you have like the excitement and the energy, it's tempting to just like continually feed into that because it's invigorating. Yeah. yeah. But I can't, I literally can't just do that 24-7. Most people can't. Yeah. The people who can, I'm like, they're drinking 12 cups of coffee a day and at some point they're going to burn out. Yeah, like you have to have that, you know, like yesterday, like I said, I did that 3,000 words. I hammered it out in the morning. Then afternoon, I was so tired. I was like, no, but I want to do more words. I was like, no, there's no real deadline, bitch. Calm yourself down. Hold <laughs> up yeah, on the yeah. couch. Curled up yeah. on the couch and had a nana nap with Goose for like an hour. <laughs> I love that. That sounds so nice and relaxed. Yeah. But you I'm, have to. Yeah. I'm so pro nana naps. So um side note. Da, da, oh, da, yeah. Da, oh yes, da. I know. How cute. Mine came in the mail, but I haven't gotten to my mailbox yet because it's a hassle. Because yeah. it's out but on the freeway. Let me see it again. It is adorable. So the first merch landed. Isn't it adorable? It's adorable because it's our faces, right? <laughs> well, yes. I should say it's sexy then. It's so yes. adorable and sexy. I'm so yes. stoked with it. You it's did the- great. You are a merch queen. You are the merch goddess. It is the red bubble bomb diggity um, <laughs> woman. <laughs> no. I, I added because I one of our um, followers, one of our friends, Sid Horchata Bish. Yeah. She um, she mentioned like what, what where's the link to this? Add the link to the uh, your IG page. So I put it on our link tree um, that you can hop right onto our link tree on our bio in our IG and find of the publishing persuasion merch yeah. that the yeah. Melanie Schubert created. Um, hashtag. <laughs> Save Shangela. <laughs> King good. I can actually see some of the green. I thought it was a trick of the eye. Maybe a bit of no. Photoshop. I see her, the middle bit. She's looking green. Did she get a few curtain pulls with the drop of the merch? <laughs> yes, she did. <laughs> sure did. I pulled the curtain aside. I gave her a little, you're doing great. I talked to her today. She's feeling herself. Uh, <laughs> she's she's trying she's really really trying gave her a little sip of water today as well yeah. 
I think she's going to be okay based on that community <laughs> coming through. I mean, hopefully she doesn't get that plague of mites again, but. <laughs> Me too. I hope not. Did you kill them off? Well, I think, I think because I, they, the plant was dead. Like there was nothing a lot like green. And so I put it outside and I think the, the freaking mites like left. So I don't know if they're on another plant outside, but they're not here that I know of yet. Okay, well, that's why I asked. I'm like, if you didn't spray her with something, there might be little eggs just waiting to hatch come spring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I didn't think of that, but um, we'll figure that out when. Figure it out. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I'm so ranty this morning. the The coffee, the coffee game was strong. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. But so back to our amazing guest. <laughs> yeah. We should probably introduce her. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. Huh? I know. Yeah. Um, it was one like this interview was one of those uh, again where it just went so fast so and we fun. didn't even get to because I had like I had 13 questions for her and I think we got to three. <laughs> you know what with guests with guests like her I clock straight away that the conversation is just flowing naturally and I'm just like at a point I just abandoned the questions. <laughs> Because I just wanted to hear what she had to say. Yeah. Yeah. She had so much good stuff to say and really required very little prompting. And that's what I love the most. Honestly, every time I feel like nervous about meeting a new person, like sometimes I haven't, I'm not like, yeah, like we're not always familiar with everything our guests have when they come on, but it's just like, just that, like, tell me your story. You know, that's how yeah. I like, I'm just like, I just want to tell me your story. I want to hear your story. And and like with a guest, like, like, and you can just kind of sit back and hear her story because she's quite, she's like a confident presence in and of herself as she speaks and she doesn't require much prompting. So it was just such a pleasure to just, good job getting her on another yeah. beautiful kindred spirit. You just have a ray. I'm convinced that you like have some kind of like witchcraft in your veins because you just yeah. know, you know, like these people we're just going to come on and just like drop these wisdom bombs and yeah I knew I knew it I knew I felt it with Lake and I knew she was coming with it I mean I've, I've heard her in different podcasts before and she's just like a force in Las Musas which I'm a part of and I mean she's just one of those people and when I read her book I was like oh damn this is beautiful yes. like it's just you know it's a contemporary novel but like just her words chef's kiss um what was I good oh because you know you just called me a witch which thank you um but I was gonna say no I I was gonna say I'm an alien I just finished uh, (laughs) okay sorry did you say you're an alien sorry I was trying to segue into something and I just I was trying to to be smooth about it but it just I was I know I was stretching I stretched that one I, stretched I loved that it one. I really I really worked hard on that but um I have to tell you I just finished this audiobook yeah it's called um Ice Planet Barbarians <laughs> where did you find that so like I it's on TikTok where people just talk about this book, oh like, I, and she's, there's like 20 books in this series. Um, okay. So it is about this, a girl, a bunch of women that get abducted by aliens and then they. <laughs> I'm already here for it, obviously. I know. I know. But the first, like, it's, it's, um, it's risque. Like it I was is- gonna say, are they about to get probed? <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so um <laughs> yeah. So well, okay. So they get abducted, and then the ship that they get abducted on, like, um, loses control, and so they are dropped onto an ice planet. Okay. And so she's like, she's the leader. She's like, I'm going to go onto this random icy plane and I'm going to find help. 
and she comes across. But <laughs> the way you said that, I thought you can say, I'm going to go out and I'm going to find Jake. Basically, is that that is basically. <laughs> And this guy, this this alien, he is bluish gray. He has <laughs> he has horns and <laughs> and he has a tail and he has ridges in places we can't. <laughs> oh my gosh! I need to read this. Yes, this book I finished. <laughs> I finished it way too fast. It's embarrassing. How fast I finished this stupid oh, book. I love you. I love you for just yeah. coming out and confessing to you. your yeah. romp in an alien ridgy paradise. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that I needed that in my life, but <laughs> but she did. She needed it and she got it. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I had to just bring that up. I, I had to roughly segue into that just to let you know that Ice Planet Barbarians <laughs> is, is where it's at. I cannot tell you how glad I am that you segued into that because <laughs> this has made my morning. And now obviously I need to read Ice Planet Barbarians as well. And yeah. and apparently there's 10. 10 books 20 20 no I don't really know that but I think there's a lot a lot of ridges my friend a lot <laughs> a very large <laughs> oh it's this is amazing um I guess I'm seeing our time <laughs> <laughs> I know it's gonna be a long episode, but you can't cut out the alien tentacle porn. <laughs> you can't, you can't, it's necessary. But we should um, read our amazing guest's bio. And I wanted to plug her because it's right at the end. And sometimes I feel like people might not listen all the way to the end. Sometimes her YA boot camp that she's gonna have. Yes. That yeah. sounds amazing. So Maybe we'll be able to put links to that in um, her bio and stuff when we drop all of that. Well, that's a great idea. Yeah, it's a like a debut author boot camp, and so yeah. she knows she's been she's debuted in young adult and middle grade, and she's debuting in the picture book, so she knows, and she she's just she just knows her shit. I mean, she's yeah. been doing the thing for many years, and yeah. you know it shows. It she shows. just. She and she has the heart of gold, man. That's like heart of gold. Um, yeah, let's give Lakin's bio here. You guys have to know all about Lakin Zaya Camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lakin Zaya Camp is a writer living in Austin, Texas. Her debut novel, um, Somewhere Between Bitter and Sweet, was a 2022 Pura Belpre honor recipient. In addition to writing, she's also the creator and host of Author Pep Talks podcast as well as a contributor to Las Musas podcast. Love her and those, both of those. You have to listen, highly recommend. She has three objectives when it comes to storytelling, to make people laugh, cry, and crave Mexican food. I can attest to that because yeah. this freaking book made me starving. I was so hungry for food, Mexican food in particular. So yeah, I agree. I love books that make me crave. I get obsessive about it. Like I will make exactly what I just read because I have to have it. This one, it'll make you starving. Um, Her work celebrates Chicane grit, resilience, creativity, and joy while exploring themes of identity and mental health. Yes. You guys need to follow Lake and Zaya Kemp on all platforms because she really is a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get her on. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. This is so funny. I've been listening to all of your past episodes and I love that there's a video feature. So right now I feel like I like I'm literally dropped into <laughs> an episode <laughs> of your podcast. 
Yeah, I love the video feature, honestly, on Spotify. It's really fun. I just wonder, since I also have a podcast, I always wonder like what it's like editing though when you're doing video and audio, because if you, I don't know, make a mistake or if one of your guests says something that you don't want or that they don't want to be included in the episode, like I'm sure it can be kind of a pain to edit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't do it. Luckily, Melanie is the the guru of edits. <laughs> I um, invested in Wondershare Filmora and it is so, cause yeah, there's definitely, for me, the one that I love to cut out is the the dead air moments or the talk mm-hmm. over each other, other moments, which it's bound to happen when you're, you know, there's always a bit of a lag or like you're waiting for someone to talk. So that's been just, and like, I'm not that technologically savvy. So it was like such a find, <laughs> it changed my life. <laughs> But I do recommend it because I I find um just since we're talking about podcasts I find that for <laughs> shareability seeing mm-hmm. seeing the faces and like being able to share a clip where people can engage with your face I find that it makes it a lot more it's a bit more work no lie yeah. but once you have that video file um it just it loads up with the audio automatically so I recommend it but yeah it is it is work you know. <laughs> I can tell you know already. Yeah. And my podcast episodes are so heavily edited just because I, I, I'm just like, I don't know. I have a thing about it. And so, especially listening to my own voice, I've gotten used to it, but just, I heavily, heavily edit myself. So I spend hours more than I probably should probably way longer than like the average podcaster does um but it's just my style I guess (laughs) it has to be perfect (laughs) I definitely felt like that at the start I used to edit out all the little I'm like oh my face doesn't look right here I meant to be smiling but I have resting bitch face on (laughs) and like or if I said something I just wasn't sure how it sounded or whatever but I think like I'm trust yourself because people actually love those little human things I'm realizing it's not always well I know I love them in Angela I found I wasn't editing hers out as much oh thanks I was like, <laughs> appreciate it unless it was something actually that needed to go but like the kind of little cute human things I was like no it's actually endearing sometimes to like mm-hmm. edit too much out yeah, yeah it makes sense and I that's I feel like that's how I found you like it was um during I well I love Las Musas podcast so that might have been one of the starts and then I know you host um, I'm trying to remember what to, I, oh, author pep talks. Like I've listened to all of, I love podcasts. I, cause you know, it's like when you're doing things, you're living life, you're doing chores, whatever. It's just that thing. I just love to, I just like to hear people talk, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's, I believe that's how I found you was through a podcast. And I was like, this person knows her shit. And, and then, <laughs> and then I bought your book and I was like, yes, she does. She oh my gosh, you literally just pulled it out. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, the cover. Right? Thank you. Yeah, I love it so much. Wow. Yeah, no, it started with Las Musas. And that's kind of how I trained myself or taught myself how to do podcasting. And then I just thought it was so much fun. And But I, you know, with my podcast, it's, it's a little bit more serious, um, not necessarily totally like industry focused but it's more so just asking people like how do you do this like when life is also so hard um so it's been really healing and helpful for me um I find that every time I interview someone they say almost exactly what I need to hear in that day in that moment and I'm sure you'll have those types of serendipitous moments too um And so for me, it's been a great way to get to know people in the industry. It's an excuse to like introduce yourself to someone to get to know them a little bit better so that when you start, you know, going to conferences and festivals, you're like, oh, I I know you, like we've met and it's, it makes the industry not feel so scary anymore too. And then also just, like I said before, the incredible advice that people share um, personally has been so helpful to me. Mm, yes, I feel that. So I feel like every time we do bring on someone, there's always a moment where you're just like, oh, thank you. You know, it's I've, I've been needing to hear that or I, I was just thinking that and you said it perfectly. And 
it, it's, I love this writing community, the bookish community, because it feels like we're on this, this weird wavelength together and we're like in flux and moving and learning and it's just this beautiful place. And so having things like this, where we do get to just chat and talk about you and learn more about you is just my favorite thing. I look forward to this time every week. So I want, let's just get right into it because I know you've been in, you've been in the biz, you've been writing for a long, long time. So can you just give us a, a little um, look inside of your journey? Uh, well, like you said, it's been a long one. Um, I mean, I've always written, it's kind of been the only thing, like when I was in school, kind of the only thing that I really excelled at. And I think when you're young when you find that thing that you're good at you sort of cling to it because that's the source of your confidence that's the source of your identity and so I really built my whole identity around that but I didn't um, realize that it could be a job until I got to college and I took an intro to creative writing course I thought I was going to major in social work because I had been doing a lot of work with nonprofits and like I mean you can tell from just like the stuff I do with Las Musas, like community organizing is a big piece of my heart. Um, so I thought that's what I was going to do. And then I took a class on writing and just realized I could major in it, that I could try to see where it went. And so that's what I did. Um, I started writing my first book when I was a senior in high school, when I was 17 and finished it during college I did like an independent study course where I had a professor who was my mentor and I didn't go to a class I just like checked in with him every week or so and he'd like read my pages and give me feedback and I did end up querying that first book I didn't query it super widely um, I ended up winning like a ranking contest with it and I got like a hundred bucks which was super cool um and that's how it started. And then I just kept writing um, more and more. My partner and I, after I graduated, we moved to Florida so that he could finish school. Um, and first of all, we made this cross country move, didn't know anybody, um, which was hard. My dad had just passed away. So I don't know, I wasn't, I wasn't really seeking connection. I didn't really wanna leave our apartment unless I had to go to work and so I just stayed home and, and wrote and it just so happened that I had co-workers at this job that I was working at that I found through a temp agency I was doing like data analysis nothing to do with my creative writing degree um, but all of the people who worked there like they all also had these secret identities like they were in bands or they were graphic designers or they were also writers and they were all doing it like DIY like the one guy in the office who was a graphic designer on the side he would make everybody's album covers and book covers and so I had him make me some book covers because I was like they're doing DIY like this looks so fun um at the same time like I was seeing all the success that particularly writers of color were having self-publishing and specifically like in the romance and and paranormal fantasy space and this was like before we need diverse books. So like I had an awareness that the books in bookstores didn't really have the types of characters that I was writing. Um, and so I think that kind of pushed me to just like go the self-publishing route for a little while. Um, because like I said before, it just looks like a lot of fun. People are having success doing it. Um, and it was also something I could do entirely on my own, like 100% in my control, didn't really have to interact with <laughs> many people because I was still not like wanting to do that. Um, so I did, I self-published for um, three and a half years. So between 2012 and 2015, I self-published, let's see, seven books. Wow. Um, and that's sort of how I trained myself to be so prolific because I do publish a lot. I write across genres and age categories. And one of the reasons is because I spent all those years like just writing as much as I possibly could, putting up online, getting that instant feedback, and then moving on to the next. And it wasn't until I wrote my debut, Somewhere Between Bitter and Sweet, and I had every intention to 
self-publish it like I did the others. Um, but once I started sending it to beta readers, just the feedback I was getting sort of made me realize that it was really special and it was really different. And I could just tell that I had like leveled up in terms of craft um, between, you know, that book and my previous books. And I had never given up on that dream of seeing my books in bookstores. So I just thought, you know what, this is, I'm coming off a paranormal romance series, like Summer Between Bitter and Sweet is a dull contemporary or dull POV contemporary romance. Like maybe this is a good time to kind of break from what I've been self-publishing and, and try the traditional route again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, let's see, I queried like three agents because <laughs> I just, I wanted to dip my toe in the water and, and, and test my query out. And I, they were pretty much instant rejections because the word count was way too high. Um, so I, I always try to give that advice, like that if you, cause you know, people always want to argue with you, like, well, my book's different. It, you know, it can be the exception to whatever the word count rule is for that category or that genre. And it's like, no agents will auto reject you if they look in your query letter and see your word count is too high because they're going to be like you don't know the industry which was true I didn't really know the traditional publishing industry at that time and so there was one agent who gave me some specific feedback on the first chapter so I rewrote the first chapter with her feedback and then um, instead of querying again right away I heard about DV Pit and so I was querying in January, February, and then DV Pit was supposed to happen in April. And so I, I kind of like set that as a goal that I was going to participate in that, but I wanted to give my manuscript another pass before that happened. So I ended up um, using the services of the Manuscript Academy, yes, which is, them. yes, I love them too. They have such great resources. And one of them is that you can pay for like critiques from actual industry professionals. So I paid a lot of money for a 100 page manuscript critique from agent Eric Smith. And he gave me some great feedback and I basically revised using that feedback. And then I participated in DBPIT in April. So Mm. I... Yeah, I wrote like six different pitches, scheduled them to post throughout the day. And my book wasn't like, it was kind of a, I don't know, it wasn't like a big breakout during DV Pit, Um, had more of like a quiet, quieter sort of, you know, introduction to the world. But, you know, I got agent likes and I got editor retweets. And I just made a list of all of those people who were interested and I queried all of them immediately because, you know, I had revised my query letter. I had revised the manuscript, like it was ready to go. And so I ended up getting an agent a week after DV Pit and then two weeks after that, we sold the book. So gosh, I didn't realize it was that fast. It was really fast. I mean, fast, but not really because you've been grinding, but, and you know, obviously (laughs) you really put in the work, but like to feel it, like got the agent, boom, we sold. That's fantastic. And I even saw that. I want to say Eric Smith gave you a blurb on here. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he did. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really special. It is funny though, because I I queried Eric and you know, he did. He didn't want to take me on as a client, which is totally fine. Um, but he he did. He helped me so much um, and then ended up blurbing the book, which was really great. I love it so much. And I love that you've brought up Manuscript Academy because to me, I've also used them and it is a lot of money. But, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I always think to myself when I'm spending that money instead of going on a weekend away or whatever it is, if I want to approach this as a career, it's an investment you're putting to back yourself. You know what I mean? And like, it does feel like an overwhelming thing to do when you're not getting paid for it straight away. Like it's daunting. I know why people maybe avoid those things, but it really just gives you that professional touchstone, like to check in with where your work is at. And like, you knew this book had something special, but it just still needed that kind of like 
extra eyes on it, extra. And like, I can resonate with that, like, you know, kind of still not being aware because I started kind of indie small press and yeah, like coming into traditional publishing and just having like kind of no clue about like some of these marketing points that are just like an immediate rejection, (laughs) you know? So yes, run Manuscript Academy, save your coins, back yourself, invest (laughs) in yourself. Um, Yeah, highly recommend. And it gives you access to these, like I had Linda Camacho do mine and Mm -hmm. it's like you suddenly have the eyes and the feedback more importantly of this like mega agent about what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong and yeah, such a worthy investment. Yeah, and it's not something that, you have to do like on a regular basis or even do with every book. Mm. Um, for me, it was worthwhile because like you said, I, I felt instinctually that there was something special about this particular manuscript, but also, you know, I had spent 10 years tr- trying and failing to find the right critique partners mm. who would help me level up and just ended up kissing a lot of fucking frogs. Like, <laughs> I just had, I had no luck. And in fact, I had, you know, I had a critique partner who plagiarized something from a manuscript that, you know, we'd done a swap. She took something from my manuscript. And when her book was traditionally published and and it came out, I of course went and bought a copy because I was so happy and proud of her and wanted to celebrate her. And I bought a copy and I read it. And then I got to the part that she took from my story and it was just like such a gut punch and and that's really the worst fear right like it's so scary to share your work with a stranger over the internet and we're all crossing our fingers hoping that nobody steals our work that you know nobody takes advantage of us or harms us in any way and so after that happened I was just like you know what I'm done with critique partners it's worth it to me because of that experience to pay for critique on occasion, or it was before I was agented, just to avoid that ever happening again, because it was just so upsetting. Mm. Damn, I like I had chills just like hearing that because I was like, like angry chills, chills prickling up me. That's so wretched. And I think a lot of happens to you like, (laughs) man, that is bad. Like I it is scary trusting people over the internet, but that is just like, I don't even know how you could have a book on your shelf and feel proud of it when you took something from someone else. It's like that book would be, it. oh, I just can't. That's terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry yeah. that happened to you. And, you know, I, I share that story because people are always surprised when they hear that I don't have a writing group or critique partners. And I think before you are traditionally published, you know, that is a big goal to sort of find your writing community and to find critique partners that you can rely on. And we almost treat it as like this milestone that you need to reach. Mm -hmm. And when people don't have that, they feel excluded, they feel lonely. And so I just try to share that, like, I don't, I don't work that way. Like I get feedback from my agent now and, and my editor, and that's it. And I've been working that way for, you know, five six years it's been a really long time since I've had critique partners and so if you're having trouble finding that community it's okay to either you know just let that be and not um, put pressure on yourself to to be swapping work with people that you know aren't the good a right fit for you and it's also okay like we've been talking about to to outsource that and pay someone to give you a critique if you need it mm. wow I- Thank you for saying that, honestly, because I I do feel like a lot of times on here, we always talk about, you know, it's about the community, but sometimes it just doesn't, you don't find that fit or you get burned. And so it's, it's not about always that you have yours, you found it in your agent and your editor. Mm. And, and that is perfect because that's how, what works for you. And I think that is so important for some people who do see all, you know, these authors out here with these like this gang of authors right it really is like you know going to some book signings and it's like this gang and and you're not really 
uh, allowed in or you're or not even because they're whatever but just because they are here and you're not necessarily and and you know so it's okay to not have not have someone repping for you right like it's okay to not have this giant critique group because sometimes you just don't don't need it and it's okay and I love that you said that but what I find as well is sometimes when you do because like as somebody who has like actively made a choice to like often choose to be alone over forcing myself into I had writing groups I could have been a part of years ago in Australia and they were just not for me and I also had a few bad experiences with critique partners and honestly I got to a point as well where I was like I don't I don't even know if I want that anymore I feel like I'm done with that side of things but kind of allowing myself space to not be part of them and but still like be open to like having that then meeting people like Angela and like Pitch Wars community was really unique like that but yeah I definitely think we should champion being alone because, because it's an important part of like your self-awareness and your self-growth and like kind of owning what you deserve in friendships and relationships and critique partners. And yeah, if you're constantly chasing or including yourselves in these groups that maybe aren't for you or like have a different mindset to you or you don't trust, you never have the space for the good friends to come. I become quite brutal cutting people off in my life who I'm like <laughs> friends because I learn every time I shut down the people please a part of myself that's like oh but they're not gonna like you they're gonna hate you I'm like who cares be alone yeah embrace <laughs> the loneliness and every time I've done that the right people have come into my life and and I've been able to embrace that and be ready for it because I have very limited like energy being like a highly anxious person who had like a major nervous breakdown. I have to be really careful who I give my energy to. So that kind of forced me to like consolidate, break off the toxic ones who drain you and kind of wind up having these soul friends in my life. So I highly like agree with like spending that alone time and not kind of settling for the like emotional vampires really because there's yeah. a lot of them in this industry like mm -hmm. it's true well and now you're out here thriving because yeah. you have young adult you have middle grade you have picture books I mean like the list is growing and I'm just so excited all the cover I just every time I see one of your covers I'm always like I have to have that yes <laughs> thank you like every single time now is there a genre that you are finding you're flowing in a little easier or what is, do you have a favorite genre in particular? Um, I mean, I'm a very like mood, mood based writer. And so it just depends on like what I'm feeling at the moment, but I do want to say, and I'm just going to, I'm bringing this up because I had a moment at ALA where I met another author and they were sort of like praising me in the same way. Like, oh my gosh, you're so prolific. Like, look at all that you're doing. Like, tell me your secret. And Honestly, the secret is the reason that I was able to write so many books um, in, you know, 20, between 2018 and 2020 is because I wasn't medicated mm. and productivity is how my anxiety manifests itself. And so I don't necessarily want people to look at all that I'm doing and think that it's the thing to aspire to mm -hmm. I'm not putting out three books next year because that's what's best for my mental health number one I've got to replace my teaching salary somehow right yeah um, which requires selling multiple books a year and publishing multiple books a year but also like I said before I wasn't healthy when I was producing all of that work and that's why I was producing so much work and so my goal now is to do less um, and to try to find that balance of like, okay, how much do I have to do to pay my bills? And then how much is just me, you know, not being comfortable sitting still um, because I, I don't want to recreate the stress that I had as a classroom teacher. Like there's a reason that I left the classroom two years ago because I was, you know, so severely stressed that it was making me ill. And yet it's taken me two years of being a full-time writer to realize, oh, I'm 
I'm actually creating those, recreating those same bad habits, um, just in a different way. Mm. And like, I have a lot of healing that I need to do in order to create the life that I actually want. So, um, I'm so glad you like all the, <laughs> all the covers, like, yes, those all having all the announcements, like on a regular basis, it is really exciting. Um, but just when that writer approached me at ALA, I don't know like what compelled me to phrase my answer that way, but I was like, I'm just going to tell her the truth. Like, cause people keep praising me for this. And I want them to know that like, I was sick, you know? Um, and we can't like, like what we need to be talking about is why do we have to write multiple books a year to be able to make a living doing this? Damn. Especially, you know, like marginalized creators, it's so much harder for us to, you know, it's so much harder for us when to get an agent. It's so much harder for us when we go out on submission. Like we're producing more content in general just because we get rejected more often. And so when you see an author of color or a marginalized author who's getting a lot of things published, well, there's probably a lot of other stuff that it's like, you know, in there that's been, what is it called? Trunked <laughs> or that they've had to let go of because it was rejected or that they had to rewrite a million times before an editor was willing to take it to acquisitions. And so, you know, I, I want to try to reframe it as like, yes, it's, you know, I'm happy that I get to tell so many stories and that so many of these stories are going to be out in the world, but I would also really love to like live <laughs> and like pace myself and enjoy when a book comes out, you know, mm. um, even this year I have two books coming out. So Heartbreak Symphony came out in April and in, as soon as it came out immediately, I had to switch gears and start, you know, thinking about promoting the middle grade that's coming out in September. Um, and it'll be, you know, even tougher to do that next year when there's three books. So it's not all it's cracked up to be is what I'm <laughs> trying to say. I really appreciate you sharing that. And I can resonate with a lot of what you've said. And I'd actually like to encourage people to kind of stop asking that, which is what it's basically like a comparison question. How do you do it? How they're like almost threatened by how much you're achieving. And a lot of times people... They just see what you're pumping out rather than the person behind it. And like, you shouldn't actually have to explain like it. I'm all for openness. And I think we should talk about mental health all the more, but you shouldn't have had to explain it to that person. Do you know what I mean? Like them kind of, yeah, it's something I hear a lot from people. How does she do it? How does she do it? And like, yeah, I can resonate with that. Like I also at one point writing was all I can do. Some days it is, you know, and there's this idea that like, just because you're like high functioning, I hate to use the word, but like producing a lot of stuff that it must be easy for you. And it's, it's such a lie and everybody has their journey and their struggles. And yeah, it's some, it's funny. You talked about the synchrodestiny of certain people coming on and you talking about, it's something I've been mulling over all week. I notice when people say that to me, like, how do you get so much done? You're on your whatever book you're writing. You're always querying. You've got the podcast. I'm like, yeah, I do this full time. Like, but also like, I always find the need to like justify it. Like it's because I don't have kids. It's because I write full time, but like, yeah, there's days where it's like, it's because I have a fucking anxiety disorder, my friends. It's because, you know, at one point writing was all I could do and it saved me, you know? And yeah, so I'm, I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing that with us because, you know, we, a lot, there is a lot of like anxiety and panic attacks and mental health in this industry. Like we're all very creative, very hyper aware souls. And so thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I really, it was because the author who approached me was another author of color that I felt comfortable speaking to her in that way. And I almost felt like I wanted to like protect them from doing what I did. Like, mm -hmm. because like I said before, it's, it, the habits I had weren't necessarily something to aspire to, but the thing is now that I am medicated that I'm able to 
like cut through that pressure a little bit more and think a little bit more clearly. I'm not as worried constantly about finances as I used to be because I'm not constantly making up disaster scenarios in my own head. Um, I mean, I still struggle. Like today has been a really bad day because I have a book due next week and I'm just, you know, my, my body is feeling it. Like I'm not sleeping well. I'm, you know, clenching my jaw all night long. So when I wake up the next day, like I have these shooting pains all day long. So today I didn't even, I didn't write at all because I was like, I'm just, I'm not going to be able to do it. Um, so, so it still affects me, but I, I have seen a huge change in my ability to most of the time manage the stress and make better, healthier decisions for myself because I, I can think more clearly. And honestly, like, and I've shared this story before too. The only reason that I am on medication is because I saw Angie Thomas tweet about her getting on anti-anxiety meds and how much it was helping her in just her own work-life balance. And this was several years ago, back when it was still, still sort of like stigmatized for me. I was kind of scared of getting on medication, even though deep down I knew I really needed it. And her tweet just like changed everything for me because I admire her so much. And I was like, if I, you know, she's doing it and she's willing to talk about it, then I should at least, you know, look into it. And that tweet, just seeing that tweet completely changed my life. So I feel like if anyone listens to our conversation and is thinking about medication maybe they're you know a little like I was feeling a little trepidatious about it like just have a conversation with with your doctor um because it might it might you know have the kind of effect on you that it's had on me which is just giving me so much more space and peace and joy mm. That's beautiful. And it's something that I think is going to resonate with our listeners, because I feel like we're, we feel this pressure, right. To just keep producing. And as, as soon as we sell one book, we've got to work on the next so we can sell, so we can do all these things. And it's just building and building and building. And, and so just hearing you just, you know, this epiphany of just like, okay, something's not right here and taking the time to really like focus on yourself is huge and I think it's something we all have to really do and and, and like I think I writing and in this career it's like a long game like that is the goal right is to to do this for as long as you can but if you are suffering and your mental health is suffering you mm -hmm. can sometimes and so taking care of yourself is also taking care of yourself, which is the most important, but the end game, which is then I can keep being creative and I can keep producing, but at a healthy level and something that, you know, isn't going to wreck me in the end. So I, you know, yeah. thank you for, for saying that, especially I've noticed like in the Latina community, talking mental health can be this, this, you know, the stigma of we don't, we don't talk about that in this family, you know? And so to talk about it is so important. And it's something, you know, in my family we're working on, but it's just, it's, you know. Yeah. And if they're Catholic Latines, then it's like, well, you just need to pray harder. Oh. Um, <laughs> that's my grandma's thing. Um, Cause yeah, our mental health issues are genetic. I know like everything that I deal with that my grandfather has dealt with, but it was invisible because Latina men in particular are not allowed to express that. So, but I, I will also say, you know, doing what you can to take care of yourself, like that, that is great. And we all need to prioritize that, but it's not going to fix the system, mm. right? The publishing industry as a whole, like there's nothing we can do as individuals that is gonna completely insulate us from harm when we're moving through a system that takes advantage of creators and especially marginalized creators. And like I said before, doesn't pay us a living wage. 
So I can choose to take a break, which I'm doing right now. I'm not writing a YA book this year, but there will be consequences for me on the other side of that, right? Because the industry is not changing along with me. Yeah. So those are conversations that we also have to continue to have that it's not on authors to, it's not on us alone to make the industry more equitable. Publishers have been saying publicly for a couple of years now that they want to prioritize, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion. But what have they done to make that happen? You know, I, I don't necessarily feel it in my own personal life and career. Yeah. So we have to keep pushing for that too. Mm. That's it right there. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I I see how time is like, I'm just like, what? (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on and just sharing all these truths and just, yeah, so much inspiration. We'll have to have you on again. I'm sure there's like, we barely scratched the surface. Where can our listeners find you? So I'm at Lake and Zay Kemp across all social media platforms. I'm lakeandzaykemp.com is my website. Um, and I'll just plug really, really quickly before yeah. the time runs out that I am launching a 15 week debut author boot camp at the end of August. Um, I know there's so many free resources like on TikTok and YouTube where authors are giving great advice, but there's a lot of things like this conversation today and others that are like, better in a small setting, sometimes better in private. Like we're going to go in depth into everything you could possibly want and need to know about the debut experience and just the industry in general. Um, So if you'll follow me on Twitter or if you'll sign up for my newsletter, then you'll get information about how to sign up for that because there will be limited slots available. Um, And then hopefully it'll be something that I can run going forward like twice a year. Amazing. You are it. You are it. I swear. (laughs) Like you are just part like you feed the community so much and I just appreciate you so much. I mean, we had Alexa done on last, was it whatever it was, two weeks ago. And like, she was that person that I always, like I was always, you know, watching her videos and learning so much. And you are that for me as well because you invest back into the community. I just wanna like, let you know that I appreciate you and that so many of us look up to you and are watching and are learning and so, you know. You just thank keep you. Thing. No, thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> yeah, we had a great time talking and we yeah. have to get you on again because we have to talk about the legend of La Chusa because I, or Omega Morales, because I am invested in that middle grade. So we'll have to get you back. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> thank y'all. Thank you so much. <laughs> have a wonderful night. Bye. Bye.